you got your handouts with you this morning, this would be a good time to get them out. They look like this. They flourish on the front. We're in the midst of a series from 1 Thessalonians. We're talking about flourishing. Let me take a minute, though, and allow the kiddos to be dismissed with Miss Lydia over to the playground and, and uh, kids area. Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> She'll meet you over there. <laughs> Super duper. Yeah, our focus has been for the last little bit here, how God wants us to be flourishing, thriving, growing and expanding in our spiritual life, in our ministry, and so this book, 1 Thessalonians, is a powerful uh, example for us to follow as the people, believers there, the people who were new believers in Thessalonica were beginning to and, ex and being um, encouraged to thrive in their spiritual life and grow. And today we're going to talk about how they had God's heart, how God's heart came through when it comes to flourishing. If you got a, your, your handout, I've got it printed out there at the top. Uh, this is the passage from 13 to 20, seven verses today that we want to look at from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 through 20. I'll just read it to start off with and then we'll pray. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or our crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. Let's bow in prayer for a moment. Father, thank you for this passage of scripture and the uh, expression of feelings from the Apostle Paul. Thank you for the heart that he had for fellow believers and young believers and the way he wanted to express and encourage and help them to grow. Lord, we pray that you would help us to grow, that you would encourage us today through these words. Open our minds, open our hearts, open our ears, 
spiritually to receive all that you have for us. May we be like these believers who receive your word as it really is, not a word of man, but a word from God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In your handout this morning, if you're going to jot some notes, I've got a place for you to fill in some blanks, as I often do. We don't have the uh, advantage of a keynote, PowerPoint kind of presentation, but I'll try to verbally kind of cue you in as, uh, as we deal with some important things from this passage, this text. I'm impressed by the way the Apostle Paul accentuates the positive. That's a good thing for us to learn, a good lesson for all of us as we deal with life in its various stages, its various forms. Are you a positive person or a negative person? Are you willing and able to accentuate the positive in all circumstances? There's a lot of things the Apostle Paul could be down about, and yet he starts this passage off by praising God, by thanking God. In fact, this is the book in the Bible where over and over and over again, more than any other book in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul keeps saying, I thank God for you. I thank God continually for you. I keep thanking God for you. And this is a church that's under heavy persecution. And you wonder, why isn't Paul just only focusing on the negative? Well, he's doing what we are encouraged to do, accentuate the positive. In every situation, there are going to be things for which we can praise God, for which we can thank him. Remember, it's from this very passage in Philippians where he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And think about that for a minute. In everything give thanks. That's hard. That's tough. When health goes south, we're negative about it. Instead, we should praise God. Not that the health has gone south, but that God can use even that for his good, for his glory. He says, we thank God continually because of the way you receive God's word. I mean, he's not thanking them for, he's not thanking God for the persecution they're under, but he is thanking God that they received God's word in a certain way, that they received God's word as it was the word of God, not the word of God. Of men. See, in uh, First Corinthians, First Thessalonians 1, 2, and again in First Thessalonians 3, 9, and again in First Thessalonians 4, 25, he just keeps being thankful for these people, for what God has done. And I, I just want to encourage you today, accentuate the positive. What is God doing around you to extend his kingdom and his word? You see, we're already in a one battle. <laughs> we are in a battle that Jesus Christ is victorious in. We just got to look around and make sure we're seeing the victories that he's winning, the souls that he's saving, the love that he's sharing, and the God-glorifying people that are coming to him like these people were, like these people did. He says, there's a chance for us, if you're just looking at A there, celebrate spiritual fruit. It may not be physical fruit. It may be spiritual fruit. That's what he's celebrating here. He said, you received God's word as it really was, the word of God, not the word from men. With uh, 
football season kicking off, I'm just thinking of this word that's used several times here, receive. Receiver. I, I used to love in, in high school I played wide receiver. Yeah, there's nothing better than stretching out and catching a pass. Receiving what's sent, you know? Now think for a minute about, uh, well, we could just choose a random team. Think of Russell Wilson passing to Tyler Lockett, okay? He's sending the ball. What's Tyler got to do? Yeah, the word here is receive. He's a receiver, okay? And that's the word that's used of us when it comes to God's word, <laughs> you know? The preacher, the apostle, is the sender of God's word. What were the people? He said, you received God's word like it really was, the word of God, not the word of human beings. And, and, and that's the key for all of us. When God's word is sent, God's word needs to be received. And so I got to ask you today, what kind of a split end are you? You know, what kind of a wide receiver are you? Are you gaining ground? Are you a good receiver of God's holy word? When it is sent by a teacher, by just reading it, when it's sent by a preacher or a, 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 a over the air, are you good at receiving God's word into your life, into your heart, into your spirit? He says that's what needs to happen. Now, as soon as a receiver catches the ball, what happens? Run if you can. Terry said it. He gets hit. There is going to be opposition because there's another team that does not want you to succeed. He doesn't want them to succeed. Even though they received the word, they were attacked. Even the apostle Paul, he says, Satan prevented me from even coming to visit you. And no, as soon as you receive God's word, you got a, you got a jersey on that says enemy to the enemy. Okay? Don't think that it's easy peasy. Don't think that it's going to be just roses and, and, and a bed of roses. Instead, note to self, you will be in the crosshairs of the evil one when you receive God's word as it really is, God's word. But still, celebrate the spiritual fruit. Celebrate the fact that uh, God is giving you the opportunity I just focus for a minute on not just receiving, but what are you receiving? You know, it's not a ball from Russell Wilson. It's the word of God. Think about God being willing to communicate with mere men, with mere mortals, with mere human beings. You know, if if uh, all of a sudden we heard this and down from the sky came a, a meteorite, boom, and busted into the atmosphere right here. And, and we saw a metallic envelope on this meteorite, just throbbing with, pulsing with uh, heat. We let it cool off a little bit. We took that envelope, and it said on the envelope, love letter from God. I mean, we'd all be going, oh my gosh, God's sending us a message. Oh, how much more should we pay attention to the coming into the world of Jesus Christ, his only son, willing to 
drop into human history, being willing to live his life, teach his God's love, to be the love letter from God. <laughs> Not with a metallic envelope, but in human form. Who could reduce himself to be identified with us. To know in every respect what it's like to live a human life. He was tempted in all ways like we are, and yet he was without sin. He was sinless. I mean, just think about it for a moment. Far more than a meteorite, we have the son of the living God who came in earthly form to redeem us and to tell us about God's love. What if we receive God's word as it really was given in Jesus Christ? It's not a human word. In fact, the second thing there, celebrate spiritual fruit, focus on God's resources. Focus on God's word. I mean, what did God say about his word? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory like that of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No? And in a word, God could speak a word and creation could happen. We call it by fiat. He said and done, said and done, let there be light and there was light. I mean, that's the word of God that we're talking about, a creative and powerful word. We get to focus on God's creation. That's what Paul's focusing on. That's why he's accentuating the positive. And in every situation that you and I go through, there's going to be a spiritual resource you can focus on. If nothing else, if nothing else, it's God's word in itself. He has communicated his heart. He has communicated his love. And you can focus on that till for forever, for eternity, where there will not, the grass will wither and the, everything else will fade, but the word of God abides forever, never ends. It's too good to focus on anything else. Focus on God's resources. Be a receiver. Yesterday I had a interesting day, a two funerals, a two funeral Saturday. In the morning I went to and, and celebrated the life of Dwight Adelman over at New Horizon, used to be College Street Christian Church. Um, great brother, uh, new friend to me only the last six months or so. But um, as we celebrated, um, they, they had called uh, his best friend, Jim Hardy, to minister to the congregation while Dwight was in the hospital. So the last couple of weeks, he's been preaching for them. Uh, Jim Hardy went to Puget Sound Christian College, where I went. He's a few years, 10, 12 years ahead of us, ahead of Lydia and I, but uh, knew him fairly well. And as I came into his wife's presence, Marsha, she came running over. She said, <laughs> you know, just greeting me, because we hadn't seen each other for years and years. And she said, I remember when you were a little boy. Oh, don't you hate that? Yeah. So my dad was pastoring in Kingston, and he was riding the ferry over to Edmonds and going to Bible college while they were in Bible college. So in a way, they were like contemporaries of my dad, even though this was quite a ways into my dad's ministry. So I was the little boy at Kingston Christian Church, 
that that she remembered. And so she was telling me some stories. I don't want to share the stories with you. <laughs> little boys will be little boys. But she said, and I remember something. She said, you're not going to believe this. She said, when you were 18, you, know, you were in Soundwaves, this singing group. And you were traveling around, and you were down at Central Christian Church in Portland. Yeah, I vaguely remember. Every weekend, we'd go to several different churches. Uh, Saturday night, one place. Sunday morning, we'd sing for a church. Sunday night, you know, it was a blast. It was a blast. It, it really created in me a thirst and a hunger for serving the church because I could see the body of Christ in need. But uh, she said, well, you shared a devotion that, that night. I'm like, I, I was 18. I'm 63. Come on. She goes, yeah, you, you shared a devotion from um, Ephesians chapter 2. And you said, and she quoted me. She quoted me from my 18-year-old devotion. And she said, uh, you, you talked about how in Ephesians it says, we're seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And she said, I forget how old she was at the time. She was a young adult. She said, I'd never thought of that. So she went to the scriptures and started studying him. And she said, he's right. She would admit I was right. And she said, I've never forgotten that. I'm like, the power of God's word, because it wasn't me. But the word of God was speaking to her. You catching it? Oh, that we would focus on spiritual fruit. We would focus our attention on God's resources. Do you realize what you've got in your hand? You realize these brothers and sisters didn't have the written word like you and I have. Oh my goodness, consider what they would be like if they had the written word. What did they have? They only had the verbal word. They had the Old Testament written and the verbal New Testament, like the Apostle Paul preaching. What we've got today is so powerful, so amazing, so incredible. We can focus our attention on that. And every day, no matter what's going on in your life, you can find something to praise God about from his word, from his, his resources. He is pouring into us his love, his grace, his mercy. Oh, just let it be. Trust him. Encourage the resources that God has in store. Focus on this. Here's what he says. Encourage one another every day. It shouldn't just be something you focus on, the positive, accentuate the positive for you. This should be something you turn around and extend encouragement. Encouragement isn't just meant to be encourage yourself. David did that, the Bible says. David strengthened himself and encouraged himself in God. When we can do that. But here, what's this say? Uh, Hebrews 3.13. Encourage one another daily. I got to just ask you, you had seven days since the last time we were here. Who... What seven people or more do you find yourself obeying that with? Do you find yourself encouraging daily? Well, we do it on the softball field, don't we, Mark? Get a hit. Get a base hit. Get an RBI. You know, we'll shout the encouragements. What if we did that spiritually with each other and encouraged each other? You can do it. People in our body overcoming amazing things, overcoming addictions. What if we were beside them saying, you can do it, God will strengthen you, keep at it, brother and sister. As long as it's still called today. What's that leave, huh? Yeah, yeah. Let's say, well, tomorrow I'm going to do that. 
What's he talking about? Today. You say, if Bruce, that pastor would ever shut up, I'd get to it. You know? No, no, no. As long as it's called today, you have an opportunity to accentuate the positive by clarifying and focusing on God's amazing resource. You know, I think as a body of Christ here, and we're so, the Western world has so isolated us and caused us to be distant from one another. Oh, if we obeyed this scripture of encouraging one another all day long, every day, as long as it's still called today. He says, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That, that, that's what we stand at risk. If we don't accentuate the positive, if you say, well, I'm just a negative person. What? You can't afford to be just a negative person. You've got to be focused on God's resources. If you're just a negative person, I encourage you, be more Christ-like. Be more like Jesus. He's calling on you. Don't settle for anything less. Because what's that? It's saying you, the people around you and you will be hardened, hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, if we're not encouraging one another and focusing on God's spiritual resources, we will get hard-hearted. Bible says the reason divorce happens. There's only one reason divorce happens. He says because of hardness of heart. He says there's one reason. Because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses permitted divorce. I can guarantee any couple getting married today, if they refuse to let their heart be hardened to God or toward their mate, they'll never divorce. <laughs> you know? We give you a, a, a verbal, spiritual, biblical guarantee. Divorce will never happen as long as you don't harden your heart. How do you not harden your heart? Encourage one another every day. Husbands, wives, are you doing that? Are you willing to do that? Yeah, but you don't know my husband. Yeah, but you don't know my wife. No, God does. God does, and he knows his resource. Well, I've taken way too long on this. The last one on that there is restate, restate the obvious, okay? Restate the obvious. You want, well, I told him something encouraging six years ago. Do I have to say it again? Yes. I mean, Paul's telling them over and over and over and over again. You know, we, we, we yak and, and yap at one another about other things that are negative. Why don't we do it on positive things, huh? Tell them again. Tell them again. Tell them again. I thank God for you. I know. I thank God for you. I know. Say, I thank God for you. Isn't that better? Uh huh? Which indeed. In fact, he even says, uh, he's reminding them. He says, I thank God for you because you received the word. Now, he didn't just stop there. He says, the word. And then he goes on to say, that is at work in you. He, he doesn't just stop with a light little touch. He digs even deeper. He says, you know God's word? You know God's word? You know that powerful word we've been talking about that has, is at work in you right now? You see, that's what we need to do is take it to the next level. Take encouragement to a deeper level. Not just surface. You receive God's word. You receive God's word that is at work in you this very moment, this very day, this very time. Proverbs 18, 21 the power of words. Words have the power to kill and to destroy or to build up. 
Here's what the uh, message says. Words kill, words give life. They are either poison or fruit. You choose. You choose. What are your words going to have? Accentuate the positive. Celebrate spiritual fruit. Focus on God's resources and restate the obvious, even under persecution. Well, let's move on. Maximize, maximize the victory. Maximize the victory. Focus not just on positive things, but on the ultimate outcome. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people. That's the identification point. Number A, assure strugglers that they are not alone. I mean, that's the whole point here. The Apostle Paul is writing this whole letter to let these believers know they're not alone in this. As you go through something, there's comfort. <laughs> Misery loves company. No. There's comfort in knowing that you're not alone in this struggle. You're in the chain. You're in the, in the train of others who have gone before you who have also likewise suffered great harm, even from their own countrymen. He's saying, the Jews persecuted the Jews. And you, who are Gentiles, you're being persecuted by your own countrymen. Take heart in that. Take heart in that, that this persecution, he's not thankful for the persecution, but he's thankful for what can come out of that. He says, from your own countrymen, you suffered from your own people the same things that those churches suffered. What did they do, the Jews? Well, they killed Jesus. What did Jesus say about that? Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely on account of me. He said, but rejoice and be glad. Why? For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And we would say, and so they are going to persecute Jesus who was speaking at the moment. Okay? Strangers, strugglers, don't let them struggle alone. You know someone that's struggling? Go to their side. Come alongside of them. That's what Paul's doing here. He's not saying, ah, oh, write them off. Yeah, those Thessalonican Christians, they're, they're goners. No, just the opposite. He says, I'm, I want to come alongside of you. I want to identify with you. Right now in our world, there's a ramping up of persecution. There is a jihadist group taking over in Afghanistan saying, we are going to behead Christians. We've seen them burned in cages. We've seen them beheaded on beaches. And they're saying, that is what's going, do we as, oh, well, yeah, something's happening over there. Or do we do, look at this verse. Look, look at Hebrews 13 for a minute. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Look, catch this next one. Continue to remember those in prison. You don't forget about someone that's in prison. He says, continue to remember those in prison as if you... We're together with them. Yeah. 
She's like, you're in prison. You're praying for them. What would you be doing? How, how intense would your prayer be if you were the one whose kids were being beheaded right now? That's the kind of prayers we ought to be praying. That's the kind of thoughts we ought to be having. Remember those who, in prison, were together with them, as if you were together with them. And those who are mistreated, what's it say? As if you were being mistreated. Yeah. It's not easy, because we want to we want to forget that. Just as we talked about a minute ago, accentuating the positive. I mean, in a way, this is focusing on the persecuted, focusing on the needy. It's not positive, but find what God's going to do in the midst of that. And as if you were in prison, pray like you were in prison. Pray like you were the refugee, hanging on the airplane, falling to your death. What, what kind of prayers ought we be praying, huh? Yeah. Pray like that. I call it PLC, pray like crazy. Yeah. Assure those strugglers. Assure them that they're not alone. That's what Paul had this chance to assure these believers that they were not alone, that they were in a, 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 a larger venue of those who were following after the train of Christ. Last one on that line. Let the experience of others touch you, touch your heart. Assure strugglers they are not alone and let the experience of others touch you. See, Paul was deeply touched. Look how, he, how the terminology he uses. He says, I mean, this is powerfully emotional. They displease God and they're hostile to everyone in their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may not be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. Listen how he puts this. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. I don't know what all's happened here, but he's seeing clearly this spiritual warfare and it has touched his heart. It has touched his life. It's like when Jesus said about the least of these, he said, when you reach out and love even the least, it's as if you're doing it to him. So you give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. It's as if you were doing it for Jesus himself. He says, one of these least of these, my brothers and sisters, you have done it unto me. Oh, that we would remember to maximize that victory. Let's take the last part of this phrase now, 17 through 20. Cultivate relationship. Cultivate relationship. If you want to overcome discouragement, do what the Apostle Paul did and emphasize, cultivate relationship. Look at these tender feelings. Remember last week we talked about how he said, like a child, like a mother, like a father. I mean, he used these familial family terms to get to the heart of relationship feeling. Now here, <laughs> he's going to use some more family terms. One of them is orphaned, orphaned. He says, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, I mean, you've got this picture of someone pulling the mother and father away from the child and the child being separated and the parting 
being anguish. And so that's, that's how Paul felt. He felt like he had been orphaned and pulled away from these believers, these Christians. And he's using this kind of a term. He's emphasizing his tender feelings. Is that okay? Is it okay for a preacher to stand up here and blubber? Yeah, it's okay. Tender feelings are, are, are part of God's heart. That's what we're talking about today. Flourishing with God's heart. How does Paul say it? He says, we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time. We were in person, not in thought. We were still with you in heart and thought. Out of intense, what's he say? Longing. We couldn't stand to be apart from you. We wanted to see you. We wanted to pour a blessing on you. We wanted to help you. We wanted to pray for you. We wanted to encourage you. But we were separated by circumstances outside our control. Outside of our control. But our feelings grew even more intense. The feelings can grow even more intense. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> You've heard that before. Yeah, he says, we made every effort to see you over and over and over again. We tried to see you and, tr and, and trust God to work for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. The word for, uh, the, the word that's used there for Satan blocked our way, it's the picture of a, an army going in and taking a territory and those that are chasing them and then they tear up the roads and burn down the bridges so no one can get through. That's the picture that's here. Satan blocked our way. He prevented us from coming to you to give you the blessing that we wanted to give to you. Here the word for Satan is the word, we've used it before, the accuser. The long phrase, it's the accuser of the brethren the brothers, the sisters, the family of God. And, and, and Satan, Hakan, he was using circumstances to keep the Apostle Paul from visiting again, from connecting again with these believers. He was blocking the way. I saw a shirt not too long ago. I loved it. It, it, it said, not today, Satan. <laughs> not today, Satan. You know, and, and that's what Jesus did. I mean, when Jesus was tempted by Peter, his own disciple, no, you're not going to the cross. We don't want to see you die on the cross. Jesus said, get behind me. Same word, same word. What happens? See, Satan can use even believers with, with, with misdirected motives. In this case, he said, Satan pulled every trick in the book. He pulled out all the stops. And my heart, didn't stop wanting to be with you, but Satan blocked the way. Now, I've got to ask you, what kind of intense, what, 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 when do you show this kind of intense emotion? I mean, I don't even see lovers, I know, you know, romantic couples showing this kind of emotion. What if we, like the Apostle Paul, had this much heart, this much love, this much of God's heart to show to one another? Oh, man, I can't stand being apart from you. I want to be together with you. I want to impart to you spiritual love, spiritual grace, spiritual word to you. What if we had that kind of intense emotion? Now, I know our European background doesn't allow us to be quite so emotional. 
you could probably learn some really good lessons from other cultures that are far more expressive. You know? But what if we get off our hands, <laughs> sitting on our hands? What if we get off our quiet disposition and I'm just a reserved person and start articulating the kind of emotion Paul's showing here. Loving people with expressive love that says, I want to show tender feelings. I want to show heart. I want to show grace. Because the accuser, he's, he's doing a number on us. You know, it may just be through the coronavirus, but I think it's a lot deeper than that. For years, our culture has been putting up barriers, putting up walls, putting up uh, distances. It may not be three feet like in schools. It may not be six feet like the stores. But we, we put up our barriers and God's saying, break those down. That's what he, he, he you know, Satan wants the barriers up. God wants the, barrier, the, the barriers down. Now, I've taken way too long on this, but emphasize, emphasize the last part here, 3B, emphasize eternal rewards. I mean, look at this. He says, for what is our hope? What is our joy? What is our crown? He says, in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus. What's the crown you're going to receive? You know, there's five crowns talked about in the New Testament. You know, the incorruptible crown, the crown of life, the crown of righteousness, the crown of faithful ministry, the crown, this one's the, the crown of rejoicing in the fruit God bears through you. And just think about it for a minute. When we get to heaven, when we get to be in the presence of God, he's not just gonna, I don't think he just wants to look at us and say, all I want to do is focus on you. He's going to focus on you and the fruit of your life, the fruit of your heart, the eternal rewards in Paul's case here was, you are my crown. No? There's a, a word for crown in the New Testament called uh, a diadem. You know how we have the song, bring forth the royal diadem. And that's like a a kingly, royal, reigning crown, you know, full of diamonds and, and, and precious metals, stones. Um, the other word is a Stephanos, Stephanos. And it'd be more like the crown of glory that an athlete gets, almost like the, the Olympic victory, almost like uh, Mark and Tom up here with the first place trophy, but times a thousand, okay? It'd be a crown of glory, a crown of accomplishment, a crown of, you know, encouragement. That's the word that's here. He says, you, brothers and sisters, you end up being my crown. I don't want to glory in anything else. No human accomplishment. Everything I want to glory in is a spiritual accomplishment. It's God's production of you being believers, being loved ones, also enjoying heaven for an eternity with me and for me, with, with, for the Lord. For what is our hope, what is our joy, and what is our crown? When it comes to the presence of God, what are you bringing to him? Bring him your own life, but I'm praying that you're bringing 
a crown of righteousness, a crown of joy in ministry when he comes. You are our glory and our joy. What are you finding joy in today? See, Paul invested deeply in them because he loved them. He cared for them. His heart was with them. and He was showing and mirroring, shadowing the, the heart of God, the heart of ministry. For he called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for showing us today how to emphasize and focus our attention on the spiritual fruit that you called us to. Lord, may we be like the apostle. May we not uh, focus our attention on just those things that are negative, but instead see what you're up to. See your victory. Maximize the kingdom value of victory in our lives. Lord, would you use the body of Christ here at Capital Vision? Would you use us to, to, to share your love and your grace, to let your uh, fruit be seen and celebrated? In Jesus' name, amen.